You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. ISIS offers a murderous take on Christmas in its online communications. Ukraine is on the receiving end of Russian tactical cyber operations, and yes, it's Fancy Bear. Analysts mull the possibility of a Russo-American detente emerging from cyber conflict. Investigation of Ukrainian power outage continues without definitive result. Mirai continues to rope maverick devices into its bot herd. And WordPress and Tumblr receive criminal attention. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, December 22, 2016. Vocative reports online threats in ISIS media seeking to inspire the terrorist group's adherents, sympathizers, and wannabes to attack Christian churches during the Christmas season. Such attacks are seen by many, but especially by German authorities dealing with recent murders in Berlin, as the attempt by ISIS to further alienate Muslims living in non-Muslim lands from their neighbors, and so to drive them into ever closer ties to the increasingly virtual caliphate. An interesting series of reports from the cyber threat intelligence firm CrowdStrike offer insight into both Russian deniable hybrid warfare and Russian influence operations. Fighting in eastern Ukraine has seen an odd battlefield result. Ukrainian forces are losing their D-30 howitzer batteries to artillery counterfire at a surprisingly high rate. In two years of fighting, Ukrainian forces are said to have lost about half their artillery pieces. They've lost 80% of their D-30s, and CrowdStrike suggests an explanation. The D-30 units have been hacked. An Android app, Popper D-30, which a Ukrainian artillery officer developed and distributed to improve the gun's responsiveness to calls for fire, has been trojanized with a version of Fancy Bear's X-Agent. The malicious implant reports gun positions back to Russian fire units, which then target and destroy the Ukrainian artillery. It's unclear from CrowdStrike's report whether the Popper D-30 app is a survey or a fire direction tool. They simply say it reduces the time it takes a unit to fire from minutes to seconds. But in either case, it would reveal gun positions. If this study is credible, as it appears to be, this would be a clear instance of cyber operations in support of combat at the tactical level. The connection with U.S. election hacking, as noted by the Washington Post and others, is this. Fancy Bear used earlier versions of X-Agent implants against the DNC. X-Agent is one of Fancy's signature tools. Some observers claim to discern a silver lining in the clouded Russo-American cyber relations. Intolerable tensions, they tell passcode, could lead to detente. Well, maybe. Observers are looking at the long, slow road nuclear arms control and confidence building took during the Cold War and drawing hope from that. It's unclear, however, whether cyber conflict is more like nuclear war with high barriers to entry and clear verification means, 
or more like espionage, which has none of those things. In any case, the U.S. continues to pursue a full investigation of Russian influence operations seen during the last election cycle, and will be watching for signs of more vigorous retaliation. There's talk in operator circles, reported by the Council on Foreign Relations, among others, of the value of noisy operations. The SANS Institute's Internet Storm Center warns that Mirai IoT botnet malware is ranging into fresh areas as it seeks the ruin of home routers, thermostats, security cameras, and other connected devices. The ongoing shortage of qualified IT talent has led some firms to get creative when casting a net for new hires. Adnan Amjad is a partner with Deloitte's Cyber Threat Risk Management Practice. One of the areas of concern is We don't have enough talent coming out of schools in the last several years to address that demand. Then there also haven't been robust programs to convert existing talent into into talent that can help manage cyber risk. We we see, especially in the commercial sector, uh, there has been uh, a huge uh, push to see that, you know, how we can recruit people who have a risk background. And when I say risk, I, I mean fairly broadly, right? So, for example, uh, if you are a business risk person, right, and you understand the risk in a business process, we can take you and teach you the technology aspect of it, right? So, if you understand, for example, how a pharmaceutical company does clinical research and manages the risk around that research, we can take you and we can teach you the technology that you can deploy, right, because you have that core knowledge of, of risk as well. So we see that happening uh, in large organizations across all sectors, and we see that happening on, in the professional services uh, side of the house as well, which is which is where I sit, and and, and relatively successful, uh, you know, most of the time because it's like I said, it's easier to teach somebody the technology. I think it's harder to take a technologist and, and you know, in some cases, and, and have them understand the business aspect of it. The other area is bringing people who, who don't necessarily know computer network security or even have a risk background, but, but have a data background or have a statistics background. And that's primarily something we see a lot in what we call the monitoring aspect of cybersecurity and then uh, the resilient side of cybersecurity. So for monitoring means, for example, the security operations area, for example, you, you bring a lot of data together. If you're a large enterprise, you bring lots of data together. And you need smart data scientists to be able to correlate the data and pull it together, right? So there's that, that expertise, which traditionally didn't sit in cyber, is in huge, huge demand. And, and, and when you get into responding to a breach, you need those data skills as well, which, you know, traditionally cybersecurity uh, you know, groups have not necessarily built. So not only you need that business background, right, from a process risk perspective, but the other area that we see a lot of, uh, you know, attention to are, are people who have a data background and, and who typically haven't resided within IT. That's Adnan Amjad. He's from Deloitte's Cyber Threat Risk Management Practice. Two popular blogging services, WordPress and Tumblr, came under attack this week. A wave of dictionary attacks on WordPress sites, earlier attributed to unknown criminals operating from a Ukrainian ISP, has been further localized. The attackers appear to be working from Alchevsk, a city in the Donetsk Oblast, 
which is heavily disputed in the ongoing hybrid war. Bleeping Computer notes that the Ukrainian government's writ doesn't really run in that region, and that it seems likely the ISP is a bulletproof host catering to criminals. Tumblr sustained a distributed denial-of-service attack that disrupted it in Europe and the U.S. for a couple of hours. We heard from security company Plixer's CEO Michael Patterson, who again reminded us that DDoS can have at least two goals, downing a website and distracting security teams from another primary attack. The attack on Tumblr was claimed by a criminal group, RIU Star Patrol. They say they did it for the lulls. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Dr. Charles Clancy. He's the director of the Hume Center for National Security and Technology at Virginia Tech. Uh, Dr. Clancy, it's my understanding that when it comes to uh, security on our mobile devices, that uh, that it is the cellular tower that negotiates the amount of encryption between your mobile device and the tower, if there's any at all. Um, and so this can sort of lead to situations where if someone's spoofing a tower, they can direct your mobile device to say, hey, we don't need any encryption here. Let's just uh, send things in the clear. I was wondering if you could, uh, first of all, tell us, is that the case? And kind of give us some of the historical background for why this option was included. Uh, It is the case, actually. Uh, A cell tower is uh, able to select from a variety of different encryption options when it negotiates a new session with a cellular device. Um, This started back in the the 2G era. Of course, when you move all the way back into 1G, uh, the analog uh, original phone networks, there was no encryption. Uh, And this caused uh, principally a lot of theft of service. 
uh, I heard uh, I've heard rumors and statistics that 60% of the the phone traffic in Los Angeles in the early 1990s was all spoofed and and stolen accounts where people were uh, uh, using uh, someone else's phone number because there was no encryption. Uh, so as we moved into 2G, there was the desire to add encryption to the cellular infrastructure, principally to avoid fraud. Uh, but in the mid-1990s, when uh, the 2G cellular standards were being created, uh, the U.S. still had very strong export laws around uh, encryption. Uh, if, if you were surfing the net back in the mid-1990s and you went to go download the Netscape browser, you may recall being asked uh, whether or not you were within the United States. And depending on your answer, you'd get a different version of Netscape that had uh, stronger encryption than if you checked the box saying that you were outside the United States. Um, so these sorts of uh, uh, export controls on encryption led to the development of a range of uh, security options in 2G cellular uh, where it could support unencrypted links, uh, weak encrypted links, and strong encrypted links. Um, by the time we got to 3G, however, the uh, encryption laws had been reformed and uh, there were no prohibitions on export of strong encryption. However, we also by then started to see the rise of China within the technology ecosystem. Um, and they had a, a, an agenda of pushing for uh, weaker or no encryption options within the standards. And so um, the reasons why there were no encryption, there, there was options for not having any encryption vary depending on the generation of technology and the, the political situation. But uh, the consequence is that pretty much every generation of cell phone technology includes options uh, where you can disable encryption. What about the the coming generations of cellular technology? Is this a, a you know a security hole that's going to be patched? Um, when you get into to four G, um, I mean the options are still there, but uh, uh, most of the implementations, uh, particularly on the on the handset side, uh, are not uh, likely to support some of those modes. Um, so while it, it would be much more difficult to spoof a four G tower. Um, your phone needs to support 2G and 3G. So if I'm an, if I'm an adversary who wants to spoof a, a tower, uh, rather than try and spoof a 4G tower, which may be difficult or impossible depending on the encryption on the device, um, all I have to do is spoof a 2G tower because all the phones need to be backwards compatible uh, to support 2G. And so that's what we see in the whole uh, world of the IMSI catchers, which were uh, uh, brought to the attention of the media about two years ago uh, because of their use by law enforcement. For the stingrays and, and things like that. Exactly. The Stingray uh, is, is the uh, kind of the, the Kleenex of, of the ecosystem, if you will. But it, <laughs> right. is, it is just one of, of many different products on the market uh, that uh, supports uh, the, the, basically a, a false base station that's able to uh, convince phones to connect to it for the purpose of identifying uh, each of the phones. All right. Dr. Clancy, uh, thanks for explaining it to us. Interesting stuff. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.